Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I hope you're well and thank you for your support so far. In this episode, it was recorded while I was in Auckland a few weeks ago. I got to hang out with Ruth Muller, who not only is a fantastic and knowledgeable person, she is the Research, Development and Marketing Inventions Director at Frucor. What a mouthful. In this episode, we touch on so many different topics from adult socialization, beverage innovation, to what is innovation. And most importantly, we touch on a large aspect to this podcast about neurodiversity. Ruth last year found out she was dyslexic, even though she spent over 20 years in the FMCG space playing to those left brain workplace rules. Now she is learning how to build those right brain strengths and is loving it. It was amazing to chat to Ruth to see how she sees the world. Just like I do, being dyslexic, it's not easy. I struggled through school and exams. And now Ruth is using her dyslexia superpower to charge forward, creating welcoming workforce places and how individuals who see the world differently can play to those strengths and is not seen as a disability. This episode is just full of some amazing knowledge bombs, whether it comes to neurodiversity or just innovation. Ruth knows her stuff and she's just awesome at what she does. As always, enjoy the show, and if you can, leave some feedback or head over to iTunes and leave a review. That would be amazing. Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Absolute pleasure. So I'm in Auckland, uh, the end of my trip uh, in New Zealand. It's been a fantastic week and I'm going to finish it off uh, with an amazing podcast which I believe will come. Uh, so I'm with Ruth Muller. Uh, hi Ruth and welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hello, hi, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So we just chatted offline about all the topics that we're going to be discussing uh, now and I'm excited because I've actually found someone who's a bit like me, who's a bit different uh, but you're a lot senior and a lot powerful and you're also female um, so very different to me um, but we're going to be touching on dyslexia we're going to be touching on innovation but for the people listening Ruth can you tell the world who you are how powerful you are and how creative uh, you are as well so. oh okay thanks I don't know about that um, so I'm uh, the research development and inventions director at Frucor Suntory so I have an R&D team and I also have a small marketing team as well that's focused on the um, future portfolio work. So Frucor is a beverage company and we're, um, our parent company is Suntory which is a Japanese company and our purpose here is hunger to make drinks better so that's a real driver for us is what we can do to to um, create this better drinks portfolio for the future. It's great. It's such a cool, like, I'm, we're in the R&D section of the building, just come from the main uh, building. It, it's just so cool. It's very, I don't know, it's got a Japanese-esque feel to it and open planned and it's, it feels creative. Like, I'm, it's, I'm, I feel relaxed and kind of creative just being in. Yeah, I think the environment is really important for creativity. So if we can um, foster an environment with different spaces so people can different, work in different ways, and there's a, a culture and an environment that allows people to bring that creati creativity out, then that's what helps us really come up with the different ideas. That's amazing. And 
you you joined how long ago was it? Two um, years so ago? I've been with the company for two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yep. But you've been in this industry for over twenty years. Yep. Which yep. is crazy. Yeah. Like, where did you start? Where where was you? So doing? I've always been in FMCG and I absolutely love FMCG. Yeah. So I think it's the um, I love science. It's interesting yeah. and it's challenging. But I also love being in the business environment because it gives you a reason for your science. Yep. So I think that what I love about um, FMCG is that you're you're creating and you're developing things that can actually impact human behavior and consumer choices. So if you can really understand what it is mm-hmm. and if you can give uh, consumers something that they love, then you can actually see those behaviour changes yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. the psychology behind that's really interesting. That's and cool. I do get quite excited about um, when you can give a consumer something that they absolutely love, that they're talking to their friends about and it's sort of changing their habits and making things better for them. That's amazing. Well, I, Ruth just gave me a tour, literally, of the, the, the technology and the kind of the playground that you call work and I've never seen so many cool different concepts of machinery so you literally have a transportation machine that kind of you put a product on the machine it shows what it will be like on a truck and a train that is just yeah a lot of companies won't have that but do you find that Frucor is very innovative in because they have to be to keep up with the market trends? I think the the culture of Frucor is an innovative culture yeah. and I think if you if you think about it, beverages are fun, they're about enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So for me when I joined the company, I didn't realise that beverages, I thought beverages were about being thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not, they're about enjoyment. And then when I when I started to talk to consumers and understand this, I went back and I reflected on my own um, habits and I so I've always been a big V sugar-free girl mm-hmm. and it's when I go to the server when I buy a V it's I, I always get a can I don't get a bottle yep. and I open it and it's the coldness of the can and it's the way it sounds when you open it and it's the way that it travels down your throat yeah. with the type of opening that you have in the can and the flavor is reinforcing that but it's the overall experience so it, it's fun, you're giving people something, and I think that whilst this enjoyment thing is quite a small thing compared to a lot yeah, of, okay, yeah. it's it's not like we're, it's not like world peace, it's not like we're changing the world, but it's, it's you're having a little um, moment of enjoyment yeah. and fun, and that's, I think that's really interesting because you're giving people something. So when you think about that, if beverages are about, are about fun, then the company culture is playing into that. I think it needs to, you need to have a congruence yeah, there. Yeah. So I think that um, Fruca's always had an amazing culture and I think that's one of the things that attracted me to it. Yeah. So we're, we're really lucky to have Suntory because it's an amazing company and there's a scale and they're really supportive with giving us um, things, access to research and collaboration. Yeah, okay. But we're still a small company small enough to be able to see opportunities in the market and to be able to capitalize on them and there's nothing holding you back in terms of the the um, you know sometimes with the larger companies you can feel a bit stuck and it can take a while to get things through but we're able to move on things pretty quickly so I think there's always been a mindset in Frucor around creativity agility and that felt like home for me coming yeah. into this company, and I think that it's always been there. 
but how do we how do we actually get even more of that and capitalize on that even more it's so true because i i see a lot of big businesses and brands that want to be innovative but they don't have the culture to fit that and if you don't have it it's yin and yang at the end of the day whereas yeah. it feels yeah it feels a creative environment and i know the stuff that you do and the kind of the stuff that i see you post and stuff like that like it's some good stuff and even just seeing kind of the machinery that and you just touched on it the whole experience it's I, even me personally I think a lot about the product itself how does it taste but I don't think I go into enough detail in the packaging how does it open how does someone yeah literally purchase it the feel and just seeing the stuff that you do you you literally touch on the whole experience from yeah, the purchase it is, to, it's very much around the overarching experience the product I'm obviously passionate about product and I want to make sure that the product is not only really enjoyable but it's also continuing to tell the story that everything else is telling so if you think about it what the the appeal that you have with consumers is around you need to really understand what the drivers of liking are Mm -hmm. so it might be um, like if you think about the psychology behind it, there, there's a priming effect where the, the brand will speak to the consumer, the, the image on how it shows up on shelf will speak to the consumer. You have an image in your mind about what it's supposed to be and the, ex, the product experience has to play into that and has to reinforce that as well. So sometimes if you get a disconnect between what you expect and what you experience, yeah. then that can be confusing for consumers and it can cause them to not like it there may be times where you might play into that because that can be some sort of a gimmick but as a general rule it's not it's 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 about the the consistency and the congruence of the whole message that is awesome and when i said i was coming over to auckland like you, you said come by and you said i asked you can we do this podcast which i'm very grateful for for your time i know you're very busy and you, you touched on a subject that I want to kind of discuss now and you said can we touch on neurodiversity because you think it's important not only for Frucor but you think it's important for the future of kind of creativity and innovation. Can you just touch on this amazing word that you've put into my vocabulary uh, in the last couple of weeks and we've just found out that also you've just realised you're dyslexic so We've got two dyslexic and two dyslexics in a room, so this could get very awkward and very confusing. Or <laughs> we could create the next greatest thing uh, around. So, what is neurodiversity in your eyes? Um, so, I think for me, just to take a step back, mm-hmm. diversity in itself is something that I've always been passionate about, and I guess I've been passionate about it even before it was called diversity. And I guess what it is is that every individual has something different to bring to the table. So you've got diversity, which is the fact that we're different, and then you've got inclusion, which is how how to create an environment that makes it okay to be different. So I guess some of the things I used to think about, and we're going back sort of 10 to 15 years now, is that there's ultimately diversity allows for creativity and innovative thinking. And you've got the diversity of the individuals, and we're all diverse, but there's things along the way that stop you from being able to use the diversity. Yeah, okay. 
So I think there's things early and there's things late. So the first, the first thing is actually bringing diverse people into the organisation yeah. because often you have biases where you it stops you from employing yeah, certain people because they don't fit into your framework. Mm -hmm. But if you do then get the diversity in the organisation, the other thing you do is you stop people from being able to be diverse exactly. and you're basically creating an environment which causes people to park their different thinking, their cognitive diversity at the door when they come to work. So you've got to work on making sure you have the people there, but you create the environment where people can bring their best to the table every day. And I think that um, when you're operating in your area of strength and you're bringing your ultimate contribution to the table, that's the magic and the power. And that if everybody was doing that, your output and your yeah. business would be in such a stronger place. But often people don't do that for one reason or other. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think what um, what we want to do is encourage that to come through. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why we might be diverse. And if you talk about gender, which is a big one, yeah. there are real mm -hmm. differences between yeah. men and women. The way that your brain is wired is completely different. So things like the empathy element, we're much stronger from yeah. a from a brain perspective in women, men have a real strong wiring around competitiveness. You need both of those yeah. things, but this lack of inclusion is stopping you from bringing it out. And then the next thing that I'm just really exploring at the moment is this area of neurodiversity, so cool. which is the programming of your brain, the differences in the programming of your brain. And when people talk about dyslexia, they've, they've typically used the word learning difficulty or learning <laughs> yeah. di disability or something <laughs> like that. But what I'm seeing now is people are starting to talk about that in terms of a learning difference. Mm -hmm. So I found out about five months ago that I was dyslexic. That is crazy. So literally 20 years of a like, high-pressured, powerful position and you've been working into strengths that you didn't realise or you didn't even know you had to kind of like completely different world. Yeah, it's it's been quite an eye-opener for me because I thought that dyslexia was having trouble spelling and yeah. having trouble reading. And yes, those have always been an issue for me. But as I've started to understand and explore this, I've realized that your brain is just programmed in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And there are the, the downsides of this, but there's also the benefits. Yeah. So in some way, if I look at my scoring, in some way I'm in the 90th percentile on some, some things, in other ways I'm in the 6th percentile for my age. Yeah. So I'm really good at some things and I'm really poor at the other things. But I think the beauty of this, we're starting to see now things like even, you know, Greta Thunberg is mm -hmm. talking about how, she, you know, she's got Asperger's mm -hmm. and suddenly it's become okay to have that mm -hmm. now. It's, it's coming out there and people like you've got Richard Branson mm -hmm. who's dyslexic and he talks very positively about it. You've got the Maiden Dyslexia Foundation now that's putting a lot of material yeah, out there. Yeah. And I think people are starting to realise that this is a good thing yeah. to the point where you've actually got companies that are recruiting for neurodiversity and you've got um, people that are actually um, companies, so, so companies that are recruiting specifically for that or you've got people that are starting to value that and bring that in. So I think that if we can, diversity is always hard so you always, um, it's so much easier 
if everybody's marching in the same direction and if everybody's doing what they're told. Yeah. And there are some environments where that might be correct. what's needed. You need that, yeah, correct. But if you're talking about innovation and if you're talking about creativity, you have to have diversity yeah. because if, if one person thinks that they've got the answers, they're just sadly mistaken <laughs> and they're gonna be, someone's gonna come along and disrupt them because you, you cannot, like one of my favorite quotes is, it's not, um, brilliant ideas don't come from brilliant people, they come from the space between brilliant people. And I think that there's amazing qualities that strongly left brain people can bring to the table, and there's amazing things that right brainers can bring. And if you actually have both of those, and you're feeding off each other, and building off each other's ideas, you can come up with things that nobody could have thought of on their own, it's so refreshing to hear yeah, this because I have grown up in a world where it's seen as you need to follow this pathway, whereas my brain, like, I read, well I listen to a lot of books as we're discussing because you do too, because I can't read. Uh, I, I, I can read per se, but the words bounce, each letter can be switched around and before you know it just becomes like a whole whirlwind and gives me a headache. And I found out I was dyslexic when 23. Um, even though my mum knew, even at primary school, it was she was like, you've just got to work harder, work harder, work harder. And it was my head lecturer uh, was just like, go and get yourself tested, which I think you did the same test. And how hard is that test? It, it makes you feel stupid, but then at the end of it, it, it just opened your mind to go, my brain is not wired that specific way. And the, the lady that did the test went, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses. And I went, ah, now I get it. Now, and that was kind of such a, an eye-opening experience. And that, that led me into the food world because it was kind of going, how creative can I be in a space that I enjoy with nutrition? And even university, like I didn't take one note uh, from a lecture in university. I just used to leave a dictaphone at the front press record, which is exactly like this podcast, press record, and then just listen. I just used to go for what? I'd never walked so much in university and just listen back to the lecture. And I don't know if your brain kind of takes on the same kind of attributes where if someone tells you something, you kind of take it in a little bit more than if someone, uh, if you read. Uh, yeah, is that, absolutely. Is that yeah. So there? when I first started my first job, mm. I came in and I sat down and my boss said to me, can you read this stuff? And it was three weeks of reading. Yeah, wow. And I, it was just so horrible. I was sitting there in my chair, and I mean, I read the same paragraph over and over again, yeah. and I have no idea what I've read. So it, I have to apply quite a bit of yeah. mental energy to reading. And it was such, that was such a beneficial thing for me to experience, because from then on, and this is when I was 22, the first thing I did when I had new people coming to the team is I give them a learning styles questionnaire. Ah, so cool. then I design their induction around their learning styles. So for me, I'm absolutely a kinesthetic learner. Yeah. And I can't handle having to sit down and read for too long. Yeah. I do like to have a level of background information. Yeah. So I know when I go into meetings, I like to be able to pre-read things. Yeah. But if somebody turns up in a meeting and gives me material that I need to read and absorb and figure out during the meeting, yeah. it causes quite a bit of stress. Yeah. Because I've, I've got yeah. too many things to try mm -hmm. and do at the same Especially time. Especially if someone's talking to you as well. And you're trying, I don't know how people like, you just go, am I 
missing a trick here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But my, I mean, I love information mm. and I love learning. So I, one of the things I used to absolutely love in one of my previous jobs 15 years ago was we used to get a full deck for a brand audit of all the information about that category right, okay. from a consumer perspective, a marketing perspective. So I'd get my highlighter and my post-its and I'd sit there with <laughs> yep. this 100-page book and I'd go through and I'd highlight all the things and yeah. then we'd get together and we'd be sharing information and brainstorming and that just really worked yeah, so okay. well for me. And again, it's this environment where you're just continuously building on what other people are thinking and getting this whole cloud of knowledge and meaning together and you come up with amazing creative ideas that you just people, wow. nobody could have ever done on their own. It's, yeah, it's so exciting. And you just touched on it there from a manager's point of view and do you feel that because of your dyslexia that you're, you, you are different to a normal manager that just kind of follows the same protocols as like you fit in this bracket now go and do this whereas you're, you seem to be more open and you're actually targeted to that specific individual? Yeah, well, I think I think that um, the, the idea of inclusion and the idea of diversity is something that's so inherent to who I am that that's very yeah. natural. So what, I guess there's a couple of, if I think about what motivates me and what I'm passionate about, if I see something in a person, yeah. if I see potential, and that potential can come out of that person by giving them the environment or asking them the right questions, it's them. Yeah. But if you can see it and pull that out, I think that's probably one of the biggest motivators that I have. And I get super excited about watching people operate in their strengths. Mm. So if I see like a salesperson or a procurement person negotiating and they're absolutely nailing it, I get super excited. Yeah, okay, yeah. If I see a child doing amazing gymnastics, this, I get super excited. Yeah. So for me what it is is that I see strengths in people yeah. and as a result of that you see strengths in the team because it's all for me it's all about how do you get people to operate in their strengths as opposed to how do you try and get them to work on their weaknesses because that was another thing I found people did to me early in my career. I had a person who would constantly say to me when I first started working, you need to get better at that weakness. Yeah, okay, I yeah. put so much energy against yeah, that. Did you hear that quite a lot though? That's, yeah. There's, I think there's a threshold you yeah. need to get to. So if you're particularly weak in something, mm -hmm. like I can't see mistakes in my work. Yeah, okay, yeah. So if I am sending something externally, I actually need to, I will not see the mistakes in it. So I, sometimes I'll need to get somebody to check it for yeah, me. Okay, yeah. And that's a tool that I use to overcome that. Yeah. But if I try to make sure that I spell everything right, I would put so much energy into that mm -hmm. that I'm not putting energy into the creativity, the innovative thinking, yeah. the team stuff that I'm naturally good at. So it's just such a waste. And I think that's the whole problem in the work environment today is that if we're asking people to do things that are not in line with what their core strengths are, you're losing your ability to get the most out of that person. And it's there's an engagement element as well as a productivity element. So ultimately the best win-win for the business and for the person is to hire really good people and then to try and help them to be themselves. And what you get is overall, if you have a whole lot of clones mm -hmm. because you've taught everybody how to excel in these particular areas, <laughs> 
and how to overcome these particular weaknesses, not only is everybody in the team operating at a level which is below their full potential, but you've already also got a lot of clones. So what you find then is the if you're doing the opposite, which is get people to a threshold on their weaknesses and get them to excel and go from being good to great yep. or great to world class in their areas of strength, you have a team of people who are all good at different things and they're able to, um, as a team, help each other mm -hmm. with their weaknesses and help each other more with their strengths. And the power of the team is just so strong. Wow. Yeah, I, honestly, I think this is such a powerful podcast for any business out there. So I just think you who have lived and breathed not only the FMCG world and what that has to throw at you, but also live in that world not knowing your true kind of brain capacity and uh, why you think uh, how you do, to now know why you think how you do, to then build that onto not only yourself but also through core, which is all about creativity and innovation. I just think for any business or in, even individual listening to this podcast, I think we'll take a lot of that because I see so many companies that want to be in innovation. They want to be kind of, oh, how did that small startup uh, get so big? Like, why can we not be like that? And it all comes down to thinking differently and also kind of breaking away from the mold and not listening to some people who have just got that kind of tunnel-focused vision, who you do need, but they can come in at a later date. So, because a lot of people without creative thinking kill kind of so many ideas straight away. And I just appreciate your honesty and openness and because it's not many, it's not often that I meet many dyslexics, which is weird uh, because there's a lot of us out there um, and it's not common to speak to someone who has lived and breathed the world that I live in and sees it from a positive. So I appreciate your open and honesty and kind of the way that you explain it, which is fantastic. So yeah, absolutely amazing. Just to touch on Frucor's kind of next pipeline with the creativity, because you're building a team who think differently and stuff like that. Where do you see the future going for yourselves? Like, where, which areas do you see Frucor playing in? Um, yeah, well, I, I do think that it's not a one-size-fits-all in terms of how you approach your business. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is an, an important role that the core needs to play. Yeah. So I think that you have a core because people love your products. Yeah. And that's something where you need to get that right. So you need to make sure that that's working for you in the best way possible. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in things like perfect store, yeah. um, making sure that you get your commercial fundamentals right. Yeah. And yeah. basically what happens there is if your core business is working well, then you have the license and the permission to go after the future. If it's not, then you tend to get the sales guys knocking on your door every five minutes for gap-filling opportunities. So you then become very short-term short focused. So I think that as a business, where we are now is we're really making good progress yeah. in terms of getting a core business that works for us. And then I think what you need to do with, with innovation, there's no magic bullet for this. So I think that sometimes, like we're all seeing the same trends presentations, all the companies can see these things Absolutely. coming up. Yep. It's not just about having an idea, it's, it's so much broader than that. So things like um, 
you might you might see an opportunity and the challenge you might know what the technology is and have access to the technology and it might be something that's spot on in mm. terms of consumer trends but the way that you actually talk to consumers and frame it up with consumers could be the difference between whether it works or not. I know when you touched on this, just to, just to chip in, in a, an article that you wrote for, I think it was Retail World, where you touched on innovation could be a matter of like literally reducing the sugar. And because you just touched on it then, everyone has the same insights and same information of trends and stuff like that. So it's yeah. all well and good that people can attack the same stuff. But it's, sometimes the tiny little 1% that can move your brand from one consumer to another, like move one consumer into your brand, where it's packaging, sugar reduction, or just a, a new flavor profile. And that's and people forget that that's innovation in yeah. itself. And I know you guys play in that a lot. Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think that you need to look at innovation quite broadly, because a lot of people might think um, innovation is the big, yeah. you know, the, the things that are really out there in the future. But consumers may not be ready for that yeah, yet. Yeah. So if you, to me, the way I look at innovation is it's about getting value from ideas and getting value from doing things differently. And that could be, it could be creating a completely new category or a new product yeah. that doesn't exist before. Mm-hmm. But it could actually be innovating in terms of, um, you know, the way that you produce something. It could be to do with your um, your lines that the consumers don't even see. It could be innovating in terms of your claims yeah, and how you yeah. talk about things. So there's so many um, different ways that you can add value to yeah. the business. Yeah. Um, and sometimes things, there might be a bigger commercial opportunity in doing something that's uh, for all intents and purposes pretty similar to a lot of stuff out there mm-hmm. but you're just framing it in a different yeah. way yeah. so um, I think it's it's working out there's a, a combination of um, how new or how different it is but also how hard it is for consumers to understand what you're trying to do because you might have something that is very breakthrough and very related to an opportunity but it's going to be so hard to explain it to consumers that unless you have a one a one-on-one two-minute conversation, they're never going to get it. Yeah. Whereas a certain thing, if you have cues mm-hmm. where people walk into a shop and they see something and immediately get it, that can yeah. be really powerful it's so in itself. Powerful. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's certainly um, some big ticket items yeah. that we're looking at with things like. Um, adult socialization so um, alcohol consumption is actually changing Um, we're finding that the young people that are coming through now they don't drink like my generation drinks they're starting to have a different view about alcohol and a different attitude towards it and the level of people that are choosing not to drink is becoming much bigger mm-hmm. and even um, even within my age group I'm often catching up with people now and I'm finding that they're not drinking for whatever reason and yeah. it might be to do with health or mm-hmm. it might be because they want to have you know clear thinking yeah. but it's be- starting to become a lot more acceptable yeah. but the challenge is what are you going to drink and I think there's an inv- there's environments where um, you might go to the to the bar or to the the fridge or whatever it is and you look for something 
and it's not there so you get disappointed and you buy a bottle of water and walk yeah. away unsatisfied yeah. so I guess for me the thinking is how can we never let people be unsatisfied how can we give people something regardless of where they are yeah. that makes them feel really good and what really gives them that space. little bit of joy oh, yeah. so I think when when I think about alcohol when I'm not drinking yeah. um, so which is more often than, than not these days um, the, at the moment there's nothing like if you there's a sweetness some things are too sweet mm -hmm. so you can have one and then you don't feel like yeah. drinking any more of that um, the, the, some of the, the things that alcohol give you, there's a, there's a different sensory experience that you get from having things like the, the, the experience of gin or the experience yeah. of wine. So what are some of those sensory cues that we can provide that can help people um, have the experience of, of that without oh, actually having yeah. the alcohol? Oh, so, um, the R&D in that space would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah so yeah. there's a lot of... Um, a lot of different things we're looking into and their fermentation is a really interesting yeah. one because that is giving you different flavours mm -hmm. and things like um, when you take, like sugar is another big one that we're talking about, yeah. if you take sugar away and you take a bit of that sweetness away, mm -hmm. you're taking away a bit of people's sensory yeah. enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you put sourness or if you put bitterness in as well, that can give people something which is interesting from a sensory perspective as well. So how do we play around with that? But again, the messaging, the consumer, the, the, the communication, the priming can help people have an expectation and then have an experience that matches that expectation. So there's a lot of different elements you need to look into. It's not... Um, I'm just excited hearing you talk to see what the future products from Frucol will be because for someone who lives and breathes this space, that, it, it, that excites me. So it should be exciting the people who enjoy uh, the final solution when it's in their hands or in the bar drinking it. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, I think foods mm. have come such a strong yeah. way, uh, such a long way. And if you think about the choices that our children make now yeah. versus the choices that we make, you know, people are opting for things that we you, w wouldn't have thought yeah, we had the palate for yeah. as a child. And what we're also finding is some of these kids, things like unsweetened tea is starting to be a, a drink that they're choosing. Oh, wow. So my daughter's 12 mm. and she likes drinking unsweetened tea. <laughs> so she'll even put a green tea bag in her drink yeah, bottle yeah. and she'll have that as her drink. Whereas even Very adults aren't yeah, making yeah. that switch. So what we've got to realize is the, the palates are changing, yeah. The influences are changing. So again, with my daughter, everything Japanese is really appealing to yeah. her. She wants to go to Korea. She wants to go to Japanese, Japan. There's a big difference in terms of the influences of the younger generation coming through versus what we were influenced by. It's, it's going to be an exciting space, especially in the overall space, but especially in your space. And that's just absolutely fantastic. But I just want to thank you for your time. And... If anyone wanted to reach out uh, or just kind of follow the stuff that you do with the team, where's the best place uh, to find you? Would it be LinkedIn um, just to connect you? Yeah, uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Join up with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, yeah that's probably the best and way. We'll send the, send the website for Frucor so people can see the amazing stuff that you do. But if not, you'll be seeing many products on the, on the shelf in the supermarkets and globally, to be honest, because you are a pretty big company. So I just want to thank you for your time, Riff. It's been an absolute 
eye-opener and also kind of just so many knowledge bombs uh, for people like myself and also people listening I think it'll be um, yeah a very interesting episode for people to enjoy so thank you great thank you yeah.